If you're talking sports, it's the matchup. Mickey here with Zizzy. Yeah, we cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is, the Mickey Zizzy podcast. What's going on, everybody? We are back again with another episode, episode four of the Mickey Zizzy podcast. It's a beautiful night down here in the sunshine state of Florida. My main man, Mickey's coming at you from across the country in Iowa. What's going on, big guy? Hey, it's going good up here. It's a later night, but that's okay. We're here. We're ready. And it's going to be a great episode today. Absolutely. Got a few things to talk about. And I believe what we're going to start with today is the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's contract situation. So I don't know what you're feeling about this, but are we signing with management? Are you signing with Dak? What's your take on this, Mr. Hines? So originally, you know, looking at it, looking at social media, you know, I was saying, you know, Dak's not that good. Like, you shouldn't pay this man that much. All right. So when I was okay. looking at it, uh, he wants to, they offered him a kind of a 34 to 35 mil uh, for five years, but he wants more. He mm-hmm. wants, I think, uh, closer to like 37 to even 40 million, which is kind of crazy, right? This yeah, is for I'd him say- at the highest paid quarterback, but. In a few years, when a good old Patty Mahomey, Lamar, and Deshaun Watson come up, they're going to be getting paid those big salaries. So he knows that's coming up. So I think he kind of wants to start this trend. Okay. All right. Um, I agree. I think that there's definitely a lot of things that you can say for Dak, I mean, right now. I mean, other than the fact that he's looking at people like Mahomes, like Lamar, down the line that are going to get even more money. Um, I think he also would look at people around him. For instance, Carson Wentz in his own division just got a $32 million a year contract with 108 guaranteed. I mean, yeah, but what has that, what has that guy done in the grand scheme of things? I mean, he's been in the playoffs and, what, played a couple series before he got hurt and got jumped and got knocked out by Jadavion Clowney. So, I mean, yeah, he's got things to argue for, but I'm personally going to make an argument for – against him i don't want i do not think that dak is all that great um i kind of understand where management is coming from when you hear listen to steven or jerry jones talk about you can't win when you spend a majority of your cap on one player um i mean yeah business side of things that obviously makes sense you got to be able to have money to spread around to the rest of the team uh but nobody no team has won the super bowl putting the majority of their cast base towards one player in this century, in the 2000s. It hasn't happened. And now we're talk, looking at Dak, and he's talking about, I don't want to play for money, but he won't take $35 million? Are you serious? Last year, yeah, you may have had your stati- your best statistical year ever, but you missed the playoffs, man. You're 8-8. Eight and eight. You were 0-6 against winning teams. And look at the team around you. We were talking Super Bowl. On paper last year, people were putting them in the Super Bowl conversation. And now you have one season where you throw for over 4,000 yards and you think that, oh, you're big, big and bad. You got to reset the market. I get it. The NFL is going to be playing 17 games a year. They're restructuring TV deals. Yeah, you can make more money. But does he really deserve it? I'm not really on that train. I don't think he does, and I think that's what the Jones view as well. I don't think they look at Dak as the future. If this was Tony Romo, he'd have that contract. But it's not Tony Romo. It's Dak. They don't like him as much. Um, And then they go out and sign Andy Dalton. I mean, to be honest, yeah, they're offering the franchise tag, which he still hasn't signed, by the way. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But 
if he doesn't sign it, I don't even think the Cowboys are in a bad position. I think they have the leverage here. They still have a Pro Bowl quarterback on the roster that is not named Dak Prescott. So I'm against offering him what he thinks he's worth right now because, yeah, he's had one good season. I get it's big to play in a contract year, but I just don't think that he really was going over the top throughout his whole career. And like I said, he's got a great team around him. Then why are you going eight and eight? You couldn't even make it out of your division last year. That division was sorry. Come on, man. All right. So I'm going to pick up on a few things, and I'm going to go on my rant. So first of all, I do agree Andy Dalton is a good quarterback. He's getting paid one year for three mil. Like, if anything goes wrong or contract disputes and he wants to sit, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Andy Dalton was ninth in the league last year for yards per game. Like you said, he's a pro bowler. He's a starting NFL quarterback. You know, he's kind of on the decline of his peak. He's not very successful at Cincinnati, but Mm -hmm. he's a good quarterback. Come on now. That's a great backup. Okay. And then also the franchise tag, I do agree. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst of deals. But, you know, when I heard a few things from a few experts, like when you get placed on the franchise tag, they want you to fail. So they can be like, ha, we didn't want to pay you all that money because you did, you know, worse than you thought you were or what we were going to pay you. So it's kind of like a a safety net for them. Give them the franchise tag, you know, you're still getting, you know, a bunch of money, but they could see you fail and they'd be okay with it. Yeah. All right. So now when I was, you know, originally thought, I said, don't pay Dak, don't pay Dak. But after I looked at the stats and looked at him, I say, pay the man. Pay oh, no. Dak Prescott. No. Oh, America. Right? No. I know. This is a little shocking. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll you through this, all right? He's a two-time pro bowler, all right? And you're a okay. guy who lives in the now, right? You said that last, yeah, that yeah, last I, episode. I did say that last episode. You can't, I'm right, not so I'm going to tell you about the now. So what he did, you know, shoot, what, four months ago, whenever the NFL ended? Yeah, yeah. Incompletions. He was fourth in completions with 388. He was yeah. 13th in completion percentage, you know, at 65%, <laughs> which still not that bad, all right? His yards thrown, he was second in the NFL with 4,902. He was fourth in the NFL for touchdowns, you know, 30 there. He was 14th in the NFL for interceptions. He did throw 11, so he's middle of the pack. You know, that's okay. Yards per game, he was third with 306 in the NFL. Great. And his QBR, I think he was 10th with like a 99 QBR. And Mm -hmm. then he did, a lot of people like to say he had like a lot of fourth quarter comebacks. He's clutch. He actually had zero last year. It was kind of surprising. Okay, mm. Mm. so okay. a lot of those stats are top five in the league. Okay, that's a pretty yeah. good quarterback. All right, let's look at the other quarterbacks who are getting paid more than him. So, Russell Wilson is the highest paid quarterback uh, for next year with like 35 mil, etc. All right, uh, Wilson, as we all know, is a great competitor. I mean, he was he has more touchdowns than Dak. Let's see what else. He had less interceptions, and let's see if he had. He's got uh, a ring. He's got a ring. That's all we got. Got a ring. Okay, but that was, you know, a while ago. When was that? True. I have, I have not, uh, We're I living in the now. We're living in the now for this debate, all right? All and right. Uh, 1% better in completion percentage, all right? So, all right, he's a little bit better. And, of course, you know, with the past experience, et cetera. Then Big Ben's actually paid the price, but we're not even going to talk about him because he's been injured. He's been growing a beard, and that's what he's really good at right now. <laughs> then we go into Aaron Rodgers. Uh, man, you know, I really don't like to talk about, but Rodgers was ninth in completions. Uh, he is 21st in completion percentage, which is, eh, all right, whatever. 11th in uh, passing yards, 12th in passing touchdowns. You know, he only threw four interceptions last year, averaging 250 yards per game. So, I mean, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. Especially, 
you know, for a team that's turning to the run. All right. Especially coming from a D3 athlete, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then you have Jared Goff, which there's a lot of surprise why he got paid so much, getting 33.5, same as Rodgers, but he gets more guaranteed money with 110. Mm-hmm. All right. And then Goff was second for completions, third for yards. And, you know, he did throw 16 interceptions and he was 17th for touchdown passes, 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously Dak's better than him. And statistically, he's better than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, why not pay this man? That's just a few of the stuff I kind of want to get it started on. Uh, I mean, for me, it, I get it. I get the stats. Like I said, he played big in a contract year. Typically, when you play big in a contract year, you get the big time money. But you got to look at a few other things. Like, again, management is coming out and saying all these things that they're saying to try and restrict the amount of money they're giving him. But yet, they're still going around and signing everybody else. They're signing Amari Cooper. They're signing Ezekiel Elliott. They're all ecstatic about C.D. Lamb coming in and giving him a pretty solid rookie contract. Why are they not paying this man? I mean, when you look at – and yes, I know I said, what have you done for me lately? And you gave me all the stats that say, why wouldn't we pay him? But again – I got to bring up that record. You're eight and eight in an already weak division. You're 0 and six against winning teams from 2017. At one point, he was had a five and nine record versus winning teams. Only 23 touchdowns to 18 picks and got sacked 40 times. You can't win and make deep playoff runs and be the future of a franchise if you're not going to do anything. And now, like I said, let me bring back up the signing of Andy Dalton. Yes, he's a Pro Bowler. Yes. He's coming from Cincinnati, but that's my point exactly. So what if he didn't do anything in Cincinnati? He didn't have anybody around him, and his best weapon was A.J. Green, who was never on the field. He's always hurt. So now you're going to give him the team that is around Dak with one of the best offensive lines and a defense that's growing with a stud linebacker core? I mean, who knows if Dak goes in and starts struggling and he's on this franchise tag or whatever else where he doesn't necessarily have to be around next year. Let Andy Dalton get in later in the season and see what happens. It's just, I'm just saying it's possible. And I think that the Cowboys have set themselves up to where they don't have to pay the man. Okay. But you are a person who says, you know, you're bringing up winning is why they should not sign him or give him a big contract. Andy Dalton, do you know what the Cincinnati Bengals are? The doormat of the NFL. You cannot they be saying have- you're going to be <laughs> – you cannot be okay with Andy Dalton leading a on paper one of the best teams in the NFL next year. They're gonna go four and twelve if he's starting. Shoot, come on now, you've got to play Dak Prescott because your next guy is Andy Dalton, which will give you. A, I'll take my statement back an eight and eight, you know, year. But Dak's gonna be even better. He's gonna have even more weapons. They're probably gonna run the ball more. They're gonna change things up. They have a new coach, um, who's Mike McCarthy, right? Yes, yes. Stop. I mean, as much as I hate Green Bay, he's you know phenomenal coach, like great coach. So I mean, everything's gonna change. You got to pay him a new coach. I think they're gonna mesh really well. Like pay him. But here's what I would pay him. So I know he doesn't want thirty five, but the lowest I would go is thirty six. The highest I would go is thirty seven mil a year. And if I did my math right, it's like thirty six for five years. I'd be one eighty. And the big thing is the guarantee money. I say you give him 136 mil guaranteed. That's uh, you know, just a little bit under Russell Wilson, a little bit more above Aaron Rodgers. So don't give him the 40 mil. Obviously, he's not worth that. But mm-hmm. give the man, you know, they offered him 35. Give him two extra mil a year. Come on now, 
I mean, yeah, when it comes down to the nickel and diamond, I mean, is two million really all that much to some of these guys? Probably not. Um, no, no. I, I just was saying, looking at the looking at what was offered, I didn't think it was unfair. Yes, should he maybe have gotten a few extra million guaranteed to compare with someone like Jared Goff? But yet again, Jared Goff did go to a Super Bowl. Let's not forget that. Even though he yeah. might have got carried by Todd Gurley and the rest of that team, I mean, they did go to a Super Bowl. And then you got Carson Wentz, Mr. Injury Prone. So, I mean, yeah, you can make the argument for that get paid. But you got to also think, when you're if you're going to reset the market, you have to be the face of the franchise. And you have to be the leader, not just of the team, but of men, anything. You have to set an example. And what was he doing a few weeks ago? A coronavirus party? Come on, man. He's not helping himself. I mean, I just, I just can't. I just can't. I'm just saying to add on to, you know, how great, you know, Dak is. I mean, okay, Corona party. Okay. You know, I'm going to let whoever you want to be, as long as you come show up when training can't come, if that happens or when the season starts and you ball out, I don't care what you do on the outside. All right. As long as, you know, I mean, I don't know how legal it was with this uh, COVID party, you know, with being uh, quarantined and whatnot, but as long as you're not in trouble, like, and you're producing the numbers we need and the wins, you know, so be and last year they were eight and eight, I know, but like we're saying about this coming up here. Yeah. All right. All right. That's about all I got on that one, big guy. But I, I see where you're coming from. But I Pay I just man. Pay yeah, I, I just think they should what they offered was good enough and he just needs to take the money and play ball. All righty. All right. All right. So yeah. I have a quick proposition for you. Our next topic we will be talking about is the uh, ESPN just came out with the uh, experts. They voted on the you know top whatever hundred, and we're going to talk about the top ten players of all time in the National Basketball Association. Can I make an agreement with you right now? Yeah. We will not be talking about my goat versus your goat at the one two spots. Is that fair? That's a whole nother episode. We'd be here all night. I, I understand. I understand. And I even wrote I want to talk. Even wrote down the note of the people that I disagree with, and you know what I was going to argue, and I knew what you were going to argue, <laughs> but I said, you know what, I'm going to leave it. We're saving the argument yep. for the next con- for whenever we choose to do our goat convo. I don't yep. want to see you freak out, and I don't want to hear my eardrums explode. So yeah, we'll we'll leave that one. We'll leave it. We'll oh, leave don't it. Worry. I'll save the the L I'm going to send you for another day. But <laughs> let's not- get started. <laughs> okay. Alrighty, Mr. Zizzy. Um, I kind of just want to go down the line. Uh, who's your number three? You know, do you agree with ESPN? Which uh, shout out uh, Aaron Hilpern. He actually uh, gave us the idea to do this on the podcast. So shout out our guy. Hey, all right. All right. Um, now, so I wanted to change who they had at number three. Uh, I actually moved my man, Bill Russell, your longtime legend. Celtic up from number four to number three and the reasoning for that was just and I I got shakeups in general I could just go from my biggest disagreements but I changed to number three I went Bill Russell um, simply because hands down he's got to be the greatest winner in NBA history I mean yeah only averages 15 points a game whatever but then you're going to snag 23 rebounds he still has five MVPs you could still take him and place him in other eras, and he'd still be effective. But when you win 11 titles in 13 years and you turn the Celtics into the legendary juggernaut that they were to become, it's got to stand for something. That's a statement maker. 
And it's and when you are just the all-time winningest player, I just feel like you have to be talked about in the conversation of not only the top five, but, I mean, put them up there. You can throw them in the GOAT conversation. I've heard people do it before. I'm not going to do that, but I thought number three was more deserving for him. Okay. I am going to we'll kind of like back and forth when these players come up because I don't want to overlap. My Bill Russell is number four. I do agree with ESPN. Okay. And I am going to talk about, you know, he is the biggest winner in the uh, NBA. He played 13 years, 11 championships. What were we doing the other two years? Shoot, why didn't you just win all 13? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, right. But, you know, the team was spectacular. I mean, they were the face of the NBA, obviously, by winning that much. I just, you know, you can't give that much clout to the man for 15 points a game. If you're the best player, I need more points on the board because I've seen, you know, 22 rebounds a game, like I said, is his game. Think about it. When he played for the juggernaut, the man was getting 23 boards and blocking everybody out the building. He's blocking out Get the shades on him. The rules were still going on with changing up with how long you can stay inside the lane, uh, you know, shot clock, et cetera, and all that jazz. So that also has a big part to do with it. And mm-hmm. back then, I mean, I try to look up some information. It's kind of going back and forth about, you know, we always going to bring up, oh, the dudes back then, like, they can't even compete. Like, the competition is nowhere near, you know, back in, like, what, the 60s? Is that when they played, right? 60s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I just – I and I have to agree with that. I mean, you look at the, you know, kids today, kids in the 90s, like, it's phenomenal how good these guys are. And don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I mean, Bill's still my number four. I just – I don't get how you can go over Kareem, who is my number three. Okay. Um, where's Kareem on your list real quick? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got moved to number six on my list. I will get to that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to bring up my, my number three, that being Kareem. Um the all-time scorer in the National Basketball Association is number six? Okay. First Soon of all, he is a 19-time All-Star. He has six championships, and he has 15 All-NBA teams. He is, you know, one of the Mr. Skyhooks. He had 10 finals appearances and six NBA championships. He averaged, you know, 24.5 to 25 and 11 rebounds. He shot 56% from the field. Are you kidding me? Sir, on the, you know, one of the best franchises in the NBA, that being the Lakers. Come on, Zizzy, you put him at six. He's definitely number three. Nah, I had to put him at six, and there's a few reasons. Um, really, I mean, you, I know about the stats. I mean, the man, the skyhook will be for. It might as well just be renamed the Kareem. I, I mean, nobody will ever have that shot down the way he had it. Uh, he was consistent his whole career. He was dominant defensively, offensively. I get it. But he also had another player that's in the top 10 all time on his team for the end, for the back half of his career. So would he really have been the same success-wise? I mean, yes, he's the all-time scorer in the NBA. I can't knock Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If any, like most people do put him at number three, like you said. But I just, I just, there's different things and different circumstances that are coming that I'm going to get to when we get to my number five. And I will explain, I'll dive into Kareem a little bit more, but I did have to move him to six and I'll be able to explain here in a second. I mean, you're insane, but anyway, uh, who's your number four? I don't think I heard your number four since. uh, So my number four, I put the man himself, the record holder, 
Wilt Chamberlain. I had to move Wilt Chamberlain up from number six to number four. 30 points per game for a career with 23 rebounds. I understand he was a different athlete compared to some of the people, and that's the only reason why he was dropped to number four because you can't compare the people he was playing against to some of the people of today and back then even compare them to him. It was a completely different thing. But the man holds 72 NBA records. 72. Okay? He has the 100-point game. He has a 55-rebound game. He averaged 50 and a half points per game for one season. He scored over 65 points 15 times. He scored over 50 points 118 times. Like, I could list the crazy amount of records that go on. But really, what it comes down to is, like, everything that I have ever heard in my life about Wilt Chamberlain is actually ridiculous. Like, it sounds like a fairy tale every time someone talks to him. And it's not even NBA-related, but this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about. Hank Stram, who was a a former uh, championship-winning coach for the Chiefs back in the day, he was asked if Jerry Rice was the best wide receiver he ever saw. And he said it was second to Wilt Chamberlain. And that Wilt Chamberlain came out to a training camp and was faster than Jerry Rice and could catch a ball like no other. And then when they asked him why he didn't sign him, he said because Will wanted to play quarterback. Like, I mean, that's the kind of stories that, like, it's like Paul Bunyan when you talk about Wilt Chamberlain. And because of that, I just had to put him at my number four. I mean, the 72 records can speak for itself because some of those will absolutely never be broken. But it's just the fact, like, he is a walking, true-life fairy tale, and he has to be moved up in the top five. I was amazed he wasn't. Okay. Well, you're going to be even more amazed today. Oh, boy. So, no, I had such a hard time deciding this. It was very hard. But I actually, oh, this hurts, moved Wilt uh, down one spot to number seven. Oh, oh no. Let, hear me out. I, 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 hear you. I get it. I mean, it's hard to compare someone from that long ago. I, but like, I know. I know. Uh, 13 years in the league. He is the record book. It's, it's not Wilt. When you say the record book, you think of Wilt. Um, I do agree, you know, 30 points a game, 23 rebounds. Awesome, you know, there was no competition back later like we kind of talked, and he was the first great player, all right? The first one, you know. <laughs> and he has 13 All-Stars, seven-time scoring champ, all right, 10-time All-NBA, you know. It's kind of hard, you know, to lose rebound crowns when you, you know, average that many. Mm-hmm. This is first seven years, okay? We're great. You know, his last six years, he only averaged 24 to 27 points and 18 to 24 rebounds, which, you know, is still great, his rebounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, second half of his career isn't great. He's only a two-time NBA champion. You're telling me you put up all those numbers and only win the ship twice, and you're this great of an athlete, the best athlete of all time, you know, that some people are saying. Mm-hmm. That's, you've got to have the other accolades to back it up, Mr. Zizzy. And he wasn't even the finals MVP in one of those championships. He's only a one-time finals MVP. Andre Iguodala is the finals MVP. He has just as many as Will Chamberlain. Come on, man. Um, he does have four MVPs, though, which, you know, that's some good, you know, builds up his thing. But I'm going to get into why I moved him down. Okay. Uh, you look back in the day, he did have Bill Russell. Him and him, you know, those two were, you know, the most elite players in the NBA. You had Bob mm-hmm. Petty, Jerry West, Oscar Robert, uh, Robertson. Um, and there's only 15 teams in the league at that time. It's kind of easier, you know, to build up, you know, this uh, – 
you know, greatness when there's only this many teams uh, in, the, in the league. And then mm-hmm. my breaking point here, there was more offense back in the NBA. There's more shots taken. What does that equal? More rebounds. Okay. There were 1,400 more shots in uh, that era compared to uh, 2005 or 2000. Yeah, 2005. Are you kidding me? 1,400 more points. That's incredible. I mean, four more shots. My bad. That's equal. You know, you don't. If you shoot fifty percent, that there's what seven hundred re- possible rebounds. Of course, you're gonna have a lot of rebounds. Come on now. I mean, I get that, but it's also you know, different score. They don't have three pointers and stuff back then either. You still gotta get in the hole and make it happen. And I thank you for proving my my last point. The three was more important in today's game, correct? Than uh, years before. No one would ever take the shot behind the arc. You know, they were, you know, joking around in the last dance about it. Like, oh, who can make this shot, you know, from the timeout box? <laughs> Today, that's Steph Curry's layup. Stop that. Back in the day, they would never do it. They would try to drive, do some kind of, like, mid-range, and what would Bill do? Stop that. Give me that ball. We're going the other way, and my team's going to lose, you know, in the championship, all right? All right. So that is my, you know, uh, debate against why Will's my number seven. I know it's kind of crazy. It hurt me to put him there, but uh, that's my backup for it. All right. All right. Honestly, it's hard, it's hard to compare just because uh, oh, you said it's, it's, the errors are crazy different, but it's just, man, 72 records and, and I know. And in tight I, know. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep them out of that top five. Now let's talk about somebody that I moved up into the top five. Let's go to my number five, Kobe Bryant. Wow. Kobe Mamba Bryant. He was put at number nine, honestly, thought that was pretty disrespectful. Not only just for the fact of, like, his, like the icon, the legacy. I mean, rest in peace. I cannot believe that still happened. Um, but, I mean, five, five rings, 81-point games, 60-point finale. His entire career was just, um, was just made of moments. Like, even from the time he dropped the mic, he created moments. And when you think of somebody that has that competitiveness, that desire to win, like Michael Jordan that we talk about, that makes him so distinct or whatever else, you know, when you look at that, there's I don't think there's anybody else that you can compare to him other than Kobe when it comes to that aspect. The man wanted to win, and he wanted it nothing more. And he put teams on his back. And he went the, the same way we saw Michael Jordan do it in the last dance about getting on your teammates and expecting you to do the same thing that he expected of himself. That's all Kobe was. I've been hearing story after story after story since he passed in January. And the reason I moved him to number five and ahead of Kareem, ahead of Magic, is how can we put him behind some people that have themselves come out and said, that Kobe Bryant is the greatest Laker of all time. You can't be behind somebody if those people think he's better than them, themselves. So that's why I rest my case. So um, another thing, I do totally agree, Kobe Bryant, I mean, the situation that happened, I try to set that aside because it does hurt me just to even think about it. I know, man. Uh, you know, when I was throughout my college, you know, I always said, you know, Kobe was definitely, you know, close to my top five. And I slowly started, you know, doing more research, more search, uh, research. And I actually moved him down to my number nine, uh, my number nine slot, which I think that's where they had him, right? Yeah, they had yes. him. Yeah. 
Okay, so I do agree with ESPN, and here's why for my number nine. Uh, mm-hmm. I do agree. 81 points. I have it written down here. 81 points, 60 finale. Uh, mama mentality. Every time you shoot your paper into a trash can, what do you say? <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, like you said, he was, you know, the man you want to watch on the TV. He's an 18-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, one of those years being 35 points per game, one of the best to do it since the GOAT did it. Um, five-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, 15 All-NBAs. Like, come on, man. That's great, right? Yeah. I mean, he's got a good thing. Um, he does have one MVP, and he's 12-time All-Defensive, which, which I is thought crazy. Was crazy. That was the one stat that kind of got me where I was like, damn. He really MVP? Mm. Right? Right? Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, but, and he even came back from a tour as Achilles. Like, yes, of course he has to be in the top 10, you know? And he I'm okay to debate. Across the court and hit a shot with the tour Achilles. Oh, that's why it's, you know I can debate going back and forth. So after my research, Mickey Hines. I have, <laughs> no, exactly. You are. You're all about the moment here, Zizzy. And now I'm gonna get you know to the away from the moments. I mean, he did average twenty five five and five. Like, I mean, it's not great. You know, I mean, it's not like amazing by any means, but it's still great, and it's still gonna mm-hmm. back up his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he did shoot. I think it was forty four percent, um, thirty two percent from three, and eighty three percent from three throw. So I mean, his percentages are kind of low, but I mean, he also has one of the most like missed shots ever in the NBA. Yeah, but I think, but, like, like, I you can't make the so... take. Can't make the yeah, you don't take. Exactly, of course. The reason why I just put him so low, I mean that you know, average throughout his career is a little bit lower to you know put him above and like. He does have all these accolades, but like you said, who else did he have on his team that's in the top 10? You know, he had Shaquille O'Neal for what, three of them, right? Yeah, and then or two? Uh, Three. Three, and then Powell was the other two. Three feet. Um, you know, I mean, kind of going back against your point, I'll kind of use that as well. Like, he also uh, has, you know, a lot of help, but, you know, that doesn't determine how good a player is. I just had to move him down just a little bit more than I really wanted to. Um, but it's just so close. Like, I can definitely go either way. But I don't see him in the top five. I see him in the, you know, six to nine area. Um, no pun intended. But, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, number six. Uh, yeah, number six. Um, so, I can't push him down any further. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I can't. I can't. If I push him down any further, I'm going to net myself. So, I, I just everything that you said earlier, the stats, the man, the man's a winner, this legendary sky hook. He was consistent his whole career, uh, championships, uh, MVPs, finals, MVPs. I, there's not much more to say about Kareem. He's easily in the top three in a lot of other people's books. I just, I couldn't put him above Kobe when he himself is going to come out and say that somebody else is better than you. I understand it might, maybe it's just out of respect of him passing, but I don't, I just, as a competitor, as an athlete, you still have to be able to respect your own play. And if you say somebody else is better than you, you better mean that. So I, I just, that's why I moved him, to, moved him down. But uh, number six. Real quick, my last thing about our Kareem debate, which I think is crazy, you have him at six and you have Kobe ahead of him. So <laughs> Kareem averaged 24.6 and Kobe averaged around 25. So very similar points, correct? Yeah. Kareem averaged six more rebounds per game and two less assists. Okay. Kareem actually shot 12% better than uh, Kobe did from the field. He has yeah, because Kobe shoots shots. Kareem, right, hold up. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet, Mr. Zizzy. Hey. All right. All right. <laughs> um, he has 
five more MVPs. He has, let's see how many more All-Stars he has. He has one more All-Star than him. He has one more championship from him. And uh, he's the all-time leading scorer. Uh, what is Kobe Bryant better at than Kareem? Well, you're forgetting the key component of this whole thing. We're talking about the greatest players of all time. We're, yes. we're not talking about the stat line. There are some things that you that cannot makes you say. Great. Hey, there's some things that you know, and you should know this if you want to talk about our. if we're going to get into our debate later, and that's going to be part of my argument. There's something, and like, and it should be part of yours too. There are some things that you cannot measure in a stat line. And Kobe Bryant brings more to the table outside of the stat line. I mean, the stats and all the accolades, that's what you bring to the table. You know, you walk into the table, you know, I bring in a big old roast beef and you bring me, you know, a slice of ham. <laughs> Who's going to want to eat at my table? The one with the roast beef. That's my Kareem. Come hey, on. hey. I mean, we'll bring it. We can talk about the Mickey Mount Vernon and a drink comparison. If you want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, um, all right, let's get back on topic here. Uh, that was your number six, correct? Yeah, that was number six. Okay, so my uh number six. Because, uh, yeah, I already talked about – um yeah, perfect. Is actually Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal is my number six. Okay. Um, like I said, be the, uh, uh, Shaq and Will – oh, wait, we didn't – no, are we on number five? No, we – well, for you, you might have skipped your five. I know I moved Kobe to five, and then I was – Oh, talking. yeah, yeah. I'll talk about him because you haven't brought up the guy yet. Um, So, anyway, uh, back to Shaquille O'Neal. He's my number six. It was very tough uh, determining between him and Wilt. But, I mean, look at the guy. 24 points a game, uh, 11 rebounds a game. He shot 58% from the field. We don't want to talk about his free throws because I feel like I'm going to miss one if I talk about it. 15 All-Stars, two-time scoring champ, 14 uh, All-NBAs, four-time NBA champ, three-times final MVP, rookie of the year, one-time MVP, explosive, a game-changer, two decades, averaging a double-double. Don't matter what decade in, he was still explosive. He broke backboards for a living. (laughs) Come on now. You know, 20 years in the league, except for the last three years, you know, he was just, you know, there for the clout. I get it, but... I mean, yeah, it's big practice. He's always a show, man. Um, just real quick, where's Shaq on your list? I've left him right where ESPN ranked him, number 10. Okay, I... See, I, we don't have to debate this too much if you don't want to. Uh, I totally get it, but I just... I Every time I just look at Shaq and look at his highlights and look at what he did on and off the court, oh, my soul. I Stop mean, the, the man himself as a specimen, as an as a player, I there's nobody else that's going to be above seven foot and be that athletic, especially when he first came in the league, when he was still slim yeah. and still able to run the floor. Um, like he, well, I mean, obviously he lost that towards the end of his career, but the way he was able to run the floor with that size, that strength, I mean, he blocked people into the 13th row. I don't, I mean, I, <laughs> he broke backboards, he changed games, he was averaging. 30 points per game with 15 plus rebounds in some seasons. I, he's still like, won one. He won three with the Lakers. He won another one with the Heat. I think that was it. He just won four, right? Rings. Um, yep, four rings. Uh, so, I mean, I, I can't argue people that are going that want to move him up because, I mean, who's going to guard him yeah. in his prime? Who's going to guard Shaquille O'Neal? In any know, era. Yeah, I don't know if it can be done in any era in his prime, but. Um, I just left them at number 10 just straight up due to having respect for some of the other people because some of the other people, I mean, they all, everyone else other than Tim Duncan 
pretty much came before him and kind of laid the groundwork. And I mean, I just, I couldn't move him above some of them, some of the other names. It really didn't come down to anything he did or didn't do. It was just, I had a lot of respect for some of the other people on the list as well. Sweet. But um, did we skip your number five? Uh, who's your number seven? Then we'll probably talk about it. Cause I think I know. Uh, number seven. I just went, I, Kept it pretty much. It's going to be in similar order to the ESPN, um, just after me moving everything down. But number seven, I have Magic. Um, in my eyes, the probably the best point guard of all time. Um, on top of that, I mean, he's part of the Showtime Lakers. He was there for all the Celtic Laker battles. He was the they made the NBA along with Michael Jordan. They made the NBA what it is to this point today. Um, the man average, I mean, while I think there may be other people that averages, I mean, he didn't even average 20 points a game in his career, but he's still averaging a double-double with his points and, two, and his assists. Um, he hadn't, We had never seen a ball handler like Magic before he got in there. And then for him to go through the stuff that he went through, I mean, he had the HIV, he had to retire, he had to come back and do all the things, and then still was able to play at the highest level, elite, and win five rings. I mean, I got to give it to him, man. So Magic Johnson is my number five. I I stayed with what ESPN said. Okay. For you to move him that low is just kind of crazy. Yeah. So again, he said I, Kobe was better. That's why I moved Kobe up, man. <laughs> nineteen point five uh, points per game, which you know, nineteen and a half points. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, nothing too crazy, but I mean, he did average seven yeah, rebounds but- and eleven assists per game <laughs> and two steals on fifty-two percent shooting. Mm-hmm. And in an era where scoring wasn't, you know, as highlighted, I think if you look back, you know, all these, like, especially in the last dance, it was all 80 to 90 games, 90 to 90, you know, they barely cracked 100, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yep. And today's era, if you don't get to 100, they're like, you know, what's going on here? What's going on, guys? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, and he was only shot 30% from three-pointer. I think he could have been a better three-point shooter if, you know, he was in today's era because it would be a bigger deal. Yeah, I mean, you got but He had 12 years in the league. Mm-hmm. Kez, is he? Yep. 12 All-Stars. Four assist champions, two-time steel champion, ten-time All-NBA, three Finals MVP, three MVPs, five-time NBA champion in 12 years. Yeah. His last year in the league, 19, 12, and 7. Same yep. as his career average. If that man would have played five more years, I bet you a lot of those stats would have went up. Maybe his rebounds would have went wrong. But he was the first tall point guard, like you said. Come on now. That's just disrespect. I mean, you got to look at the 12, how greatness his 12 years were. I mean, yeah, like, it was, that was distant. They were great. I'm again. I'm not. It's not like I want to take anything away from these guys. It's just having respect for some of the other names too. I mean, the p- only people I really moved up ahead of them were Bill Russell, the all-time winning guy, and Bill <laughs> Chamberlain, the fairy tale. And then I only put, Co- and then you put Kobe in there because yeah, he's a man of moments. He's Mamba. And then when Magic and Kareem both come out and say he's the best Laker of all time, you got to take that into account. So. Um, I had, and then Kareem, I mean, half of it, how many of his, of his assists went to Kareem? So, I mean, I had Kareem above him and then just magic. So, uh, I, yeah, he changed the game. He was completely different. I disagree with you saying if he was going to be around five more years, if he would have won more rings or continued to be, a no. dominant, or are you not saying he, he would have won rings? He wouldn't have won more rings, obviously, because you know what time it was, but <laughs> he definitely would have been a dominant player in the NBA. Come on now. Okay, yeah. No, he was still great. He was still good. All right, he, he was your number seven, though? Uh, yeah, he was my number seven, yes. Okay. Yeah, so my – yeah, so so far, what are we – we're talking about our number eight now? Yeah. 
Yeah, so so far, you know, I have the GOAT, Jordan, then LeBron, Kareem, Bill, Magic, Wilt. Oh, I know who your number eight is going to be, I think. My number right. eight? Yeah, or do you want to go first and keep going? Is it? Nope, you go. All right, number eight, Larry Legend, man. Yeah, okay, that was my number seven. Yeah, yeah, Larry Legend. So, um, Larry Bird, the White Hope. Uh, I think he's my number eight, too. Wait, well, you said he's number eight? Huh? Yeah, I said he was number eight. Oh, same, same. Okay. Yeah. He's my number eight. So, I have him at number eight. Um, I mean, the stats himself, I think that his prime may have been better than Magic's. Um, when he won the three consecutive MVPs, when he was calling his shots, when he's calling how many points he's going to drop in games and then checking himself out at that exact number. I mean, those of him are crazy, too. He's an all-time competitor and winner. He leaves even as a player and begins coaching teams to the conference finals and other, everything like that. I mean, he's an all-time great competitor. He um, – the stats himself don't lie. He averaged a double-double in his career as well, over 20 points, over 10 rebounds. Um, did some of the crazy – he was also – and then he's a part of the whole Lakers-Celtics rivalry. Him and Magic have literally been playing since against each other in college when they're in the championship against each other. So, um, obviously, a big part of history, a part of the dream team, everything else. But um, I gave Magic the edge just because I think overall, like you were saying, he had Magic had a more consistent career um, through all 12 years. I think that he was more like just the stats themselves were basically the same every single year. Um, Larry may have had a better prime in my eyes, but I just I've moved, I've kept him at kept him down at number eight. Yeah, so he's also my uh, number eight as well. And here's uh, kind of like my reasons why. So, like you said, he walked in to the uh, three-point contest and says, who's getting second? Guess what he does. <laughs> There's also a rumor that he wouldn't leave the uh, gym until the net, like, swishes and it, like, stays up on the rim. He averaged 24, 10, and 6. Yep. Okay. You know who similar stats those are, too? LeBron James. Very similar. Yeah. I think there's less on. points, but more rebounds and very and like hardly one assist later. Are you kidding me? Similar stats to the second best player ever in the NBA. Yep. That's gonna help him out. Mm -hmm. Twelve years, very small, but you know, a lot of people didn't play that long in the NBA back then. But just similar with Magic, twelve time all star, three time NBA champ. You already talked about his consecutive MVPs mm -hmm. and what he did as a coach. He was a two time finals MVP as well. And he was phenomenal. He shot 50%. Um, he did shoot kind of poor from three, 37%. Mm -hmm. But like you said, him and Magic were, you know, the duo you loved watching every time you turned on the TV. Mm -hmm. But uh, injuries really did kill him. The same. Uh, he always had the back problem. He was part of the dream team, et cetera. But uh, like you said, I just think the other people have bigger names and did more with their time in the NBA. But Larry Legend, man. Come on, you got you got to love him. Yeah, and I think it's just crazy. I mean, and then like I said, with the all-time competitiveness, I mean, he, he retires from playing, but is still <laughs> like GM, coach, doing everything else and building teams up. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do, man. Yeah, yep, definitely my number eight. Though. Yep, uh, and then moving from there, we'll go to number nine. Like I said earlier, I had kept Shaq at number ten, which means I put Mister Fundamental. Tim Duncan. That's our last guy. Yeah, Mr. Fundamental Tim Duncan at number nine. You want to talk he, about 
consistency. You want to talk about production. You want to talk about humble. There's nobody else that comes to mind other than Tim Duncan, if you want to put those three at the forefront. I mean, the man got into the league. He won five titles. He left on a title. I, it's just, I don't really know. I understand he may have played, he played for probably the greatest coach of all time, but he did it all with one franchise, and he never asked for too much, and he never asked for other players to join him. He came in, he did his job, and he produced every single year, no matter his age, no matter the injury, and won five rings. I mean, rings talk, man. So he is my number 10. Uh, like you said, it's it's tough, man. Yeah, like, it's, saying, like, it's, oh, they're so you wrong. Like, at some look of these names, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so tough. Like ESPN, like it's really tough for them. But he's my number ten. Um, always has been, Mister Fundamental. Uh, nineteen eleven for a career and two point two blocks per game for a career. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Yep. Um, I just want to, you know, like you said, he was a winner. Uh, all, you know, he was a fifteen-time All Defensive Team, which really shocked yeah, me. I totally I, forgot about. That. I know you really don't think about how crazy right? his defense was, but then you start looking at some of his highlights when he came in first uh, into the league when he was fresh legs and everything. He was matching up with people like MJ. Like I like oh. he's that tall and still able to guard people that athletic. It's crazy what he was able to do. He is just he's not flashy at all. He's no. just your classic, almost like a dad, you know, playing against all his little kids. Yep. Like, you know, almost <laughs> your fundamental boom, I'm tall. Not in everybody. Um some other things though, I just wanted to uh two kind of last things I want to talk. You already brought it up. Like the man is phenomenal. Um it's just tough, you know, because he also did have, you know, great teams, great coaches, but you need a great coach, I feel like, to uh be successful in the NBA. Yeah, but uh, a thousand and one regular season, uh, I think points. Yeah, with one French uh, franchise, or is it games? I think it's the games. A thousand and one regular season. Yeah, 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 games. yeah, yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah, it wouldn't be points. The next, but uh, like, <laughs> that's crazy. Like a thousand games with one franchise. Never heard of before. In you know, in the nineteen years he was there, mm-hmm. and you know, just to top it off, he also did beat the number two guy uh, twice in the NBA Finals. So you yeah, know, that's just I a mean, good uh, you can talk about good. that. He also had Hall of Famers helping him, but it's all good. <laughs> but yeah, um, I know that one went a little bit longer, but I mean, we got to talk about greatness, man. Uh, and that was only you know three through ten, and it was so tough to decide. Yeah, I mean, everybody on that list, I felt. For, like, the entire rankings, I, I couldn't believe some of them. Some of them were so far off, and I think it just really had to do with recency bias. And it definitely hurt my man at number two with uh, The Last Dance coming out very recently. Uh, but I, I, it's kind of hard to say on some of the rankings, but I really do think that they got the top ten, at least all the guys. Maybe not necessarily the order, but the top ten I really think they got right. Um and but I mean, when I started looking outside of that, I knew we couldn't talk about anything outside of the top ten because like some of this stuff is ridiculous. You're telling me that Giannis Antetokounmpo got put at number twenty-seven. What has he done? Are you serious? Oh, I know. We won't talk about. Oh that. my lord! Like, oh, some of that, and then with uh, the last dance and some other people moving up and down after seeing that. I mean, yeah, it, we can't talk about it all, but I think uh, they got the names right overall for the top 10. It's just about whatever order that um, people want to put it in. I think you can make an argument for anybody, but um, that was just my take on it. So Let's go into our last topic. Uh, this will be a longer episode, but I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like all things we've said. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So our last topic that we were going to touch on just a little bit, see what all this has to be said, was the current situation in the NFL. They're talking about the extension of the Rooney rule. Um, so the league has been tabling the idea to require extra minority candidates or interviews for coaching and GM positions. And then with that, the possibility that they could reward teams um, with offers like boosted third round picks or whatever else. Um, what's your take on that, Mickey? So, yeah, like you said, hiring a general manager or head coach is, you know, a different race is kind of crazy to even think about. We're in what, 2020? Yeah, 2020. Um, this should be a conversation. And here's my thing I even look at a lot of like what Lewis Riddick had to say and Michael Wilbon had to say. Um, and you know, it's got to do so- they got to do something different, you know, mm-hmm. a different idea. That's what uh, Michael Wilbon said. But mm-hmm. I just think it's crazy. It's bonkers. You cannot reward a team for having just based on the color, you know, or mm-hmm. you know where where they were born, and give them, you know, they could be a middle, the you know, a high third round draft pick and be a middle second round draft pick. You know how good of a player difference that could be? Yeah, exactly. It's phenomenal. Tom Brady, the and, a six rounder. Like, what do you want? Yeah. Um. And my thing is, uh, I really have two kind of like takes on this that I've been kind of like really thinking about when um you know, thinking about this, Mm -hmm. I don't care what you look like, who, you know, or, you know, what your name is, as long as you fit the bill and you can produce and your resume looks good enough that I think personally that you can make my team successful in the future. Who cares? I mean, look at Mike Tomlin and Ron Rivera. Yeah. Like they're very, very successful. Yep. And I think NFL teams are not looking at that, you know, but they're looking at what can you do for my franchise today? Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what I think, Zizzy, it's just, can you, can you fit the bill? Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, when looking at what they're trying to do and what they're talking about, I like the sentiment. I like the idea and the fact that it's finally being brought up to the forefront that there isn't a whole lot of minority coaches or GMs in the league. We've got two GMs that are minor of the of a minority race and only four coaches currently in the league. So yep. I, I like that it's being brought to the forefront. However, I agree with you. I don't agree with how they're trying to do it. Their approach is wrong. Like you can't give a team an advantage just based off of their hire as a coach and, and like skin color or ethnicity or anything like that. Like then you're just kind of reversing the whole process and it just kind of shows like the whole, I don't really want to call it that, but it's almost like the NFL just has had this systematic racism that they've used to build the league on and they haven't figured out a way to get away from it. I mean, and then it, the, my biggest issue with it is that even if you're going to make this small change and try and make it so you're getting rewards, like, yeah, some teams are going to do, some teams would probably use that to their advantage, but yep. other, other ones are like what is it really going to change from the GM or owner's perspective? Like there's the big issue of it's who, you know, and not what have you done? You know, like there's people that have friends that are going to help their friends out or give them a good word. Like the prime example to that right now for me would be Cliff Kingsbury as the Arizona head coach. Like in call, he was a college coach that didn't even have a winning record his last few seasons like what had he proven to be a head coach other than the fact that he had a relationship with the quarterback they drafted and was friends with the gm so i mean there's stuff like that um but i just wanted to bring a couple things up that like i think they just need to 
have a whole new look on the situation. So the Rooney Rule was initiated in 2003. Three years later, we had two black head coaches coaching in the Super Bowl. Like, the chances of that were so low. And then you think, okay, everything's working out. They're starting to pay attention to the rule. Everything's on the upswing. But now here we are 17 years later, and there's only three black coaches and then another minority with Ron Rivera. But, like, I don't think it – maybe it's not even a diversity problem. Like, to me, it's just – it's like they don't have the same opportunity. And – People are going to continue to try and get around even this expansion because, okay, now they're ha- they're mandated to have to offer a minority a certain number of minority candidates an interview or clarify that they are a candidate themselves. But it doesn't mean that that means that they're looking at them seriously. Like they can offer an interview to anybody with the intention of hiring somebody com- like somebody else completely. So I just don't think that this expansion of the rule is really going to change anything um i like the fact that it's being brought up and discussed it's just like like it's like you said it's 2020 like this shouldn't be an issue like er, like everybody should be looked at the same way everybody should have the same opportunity some of the best coordinators in the game right now are minority coaches why aren't they getting hired for head coaching jobs you know like it shouldn't be it should be this is where the resume should be important like when you're looking at what they've done as a coach in the league or wherever else they were coaching before, but are you successful and can you be a leader of men? We've seen other minority coaches do it. I just hate that it has had to come to this kind of a discussion for anything to even be done about it. Um, yeah, I have uh, just one more point on this topic. And I, first of all, I just think it, it's kind of embarrassing. I saw a lot of the other analysts think like it's embarrassing for the NFL that they have to do this and put it on this big of a table um, and they really don't need it and like I said is whoever's most qualified give them the job I'm going to give you a scenario here Mr. Zizzy why don't they do this for female coaches why not I mean look That's at the NBA they back- that is another huge thing and I think and I have seen in the NFL actually there is a lot more female positional coaches um, than, than I expected. I didn't get the exact number in research, but I did see that there are a good amount of teams that actually do have uh, female assistant coaches at positions or positional coaches. Um, but that's more like that's across all major sports. I mean, we look at somebody like the um, assistant coach for the Spurs. That, uh, that's Becky Hammond. Yeah, Becky Hammond. She is actually incredible. And in my eyes, deserves to be a head coach for one of the teams in the league. So, I, I mean, it extends from the minorities to the females. It's just, it's crazy that we have to have these discussions, but if it's what's going to bring it to the forefront, I, I guess so be it, but it's, it's, it's wild to me. Yeah. My uh, closing statement, like I said, I think it's kind of crazy. They can go about it a different way. Um, they are great coaches. Like we've said, Becky being one of them and Katie Sowers, the assistant 49ers coach who yes. was the first female to coach in a Super Bowl. Yes. But, uh, I don't think they have to do this. I think they go a different way. I like that they're addressing the problem, but, uh, I hope, I hope they find something, uh, nowhere near as extreme as what they had. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you on that one. Then. Um, All righty, Mr. Zizzy, anything else? Oh, no, man. You know, I had a good night. I had a little date night with the lady. Everything's going good. I'm enjoying myself. I just got a new offer letter for work with my main, with our main man, Milton. So we're looking good in the working world. I know that you're doing good in that as well. 
you new little teaching job. Finally living the dream. So uh, everything else is good, man. I hope you are too. Hey, you know it, you know it. I'm glad you are doing well down there in the sunny uh, place of Florida. <laughs> We're keeping it nice and chill up here. Like you said, I'm very excited to start my you know, lifelong you know, uh, occupation that I've always wanted to do. But uh, you uh, care to sign us off? Yeah. You know, if you're talking sports, it's a matchup. Mickey Humor says you haven't cut it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. The Mickey Sizzy podcast. We're one month in, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned next week. Hey.